Today's gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to St. John, verse, chapter 14, verses 8 through 17 and 25 through 27. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be within you. Now all this I have spoken will still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The Gospel according to John. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Son Jesus Christ, and Lord Holy Spirit, we pray to you, Holy Spirit, we know that you are in us to give glory to the Father through the Son. May you bear with us as we speak upon your glory. May you bear with us as we worship you in our hearts, and may you may you reveal your inner workings as you dwell within us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Pentecost is the birthday of the church, and we often tell the story in Acts of when the tongues of fire come down and put a missionary spirit on it. And that's proper with the gifts of tongues and the word going out to all the nations. But today I would like to enlarge, particularly on previous messages that we've been giving here. And in some levels, I have to begin with a slight apology, because we are going to be a tad advanced today. But I figure even a beginner is enriched by seeing where the target is. So we are going to shoot for the high one today, and we're going to focus on the personal spiritual applications of the day of Pentecost. Now, I'll start by pointing out that Pentecost meant a radical change in discipleship up to that point. See, we suffer the most, I think, in Protestant circles from a misapprehension that the disciples, face-to-face with Jesus, 
have an acutely strong spiritual advantage over us. I mean, come on. They saw Jesus. All the work, all the miracles. I mean, even before his death and resurrection, the disciples were sent out, the 12, the 70, to do the same things they'd seen Jesus doing. So that promise in verse 12, that they will do greater things, we fool ourselves into thinking must have been easier for a Christian at Jesus's actual feet to fulfill. We today, we're so far from it, it's got not much to do with us. But Pentecost is a day when we have the solemn duty, whether it is popular or not, of saying that is not so, and that is not what the word witnesses. Even more, Pentecost is the day when we should remind ourselves that the gospel-era church, that church in the era of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and most of John, is compared to us incomplete. And I say this with all due respect. That church compared to us today was slightly faulty. Just look at Peter's life, the hero of the story of Pentecost. It bears this out. He heard Jesus. He believed. He did Christ's work. But all throughout the gospel period before Pentecost came, Peter's spirit is terribly wrong. He doubts and he sinks when he walks on the water. And probably this gets shown off the worst when he confronted, when Peter is confronted by the cross. Peter is so self-assured, his spirit is so self-centered, that he takes it upon himself and tries to rebuke Jesus and correct him. Oh Lord, far be it from you to get crucified, and we all know how that went. Get behind me, Satan! And Peter's spirit is still wrong throughout the whole gospel, despite learning all of that because of the big test, where Peter was so sure he'd make it, he said, I'll never deny you, Lord. Peter denied Jesus with an oath. So up until Pentecost, Jesus' religion and his teaching still remained something external, still was not fully complete, and that's why Jesus puts so much emphasis on, I must go Because the gospel alone, without the Holy Spirit, is just human effort. Yes, it's guided by faith, but it's unable to make the church fully holy. Now, believers before Pentecost were most assuredly saved. Yet compared to the believers of Acts, they are much more akin to Old Testament believers than they are to the church of Acts, even though it's the same people. Because see, God's intention and the power of the gospel had not received its final activation. The church had not been founded on earth till the day of Pentecost. That's why Jesus said, I must return to the Father. It was his final work to do. For the Father had a greater plan to dwell in his people and among his people. Now, it was better satisfying to the love of God to actually be within us, not without us. And this was also Jesus' leaving. It's something that gives you and I much more power in prayer than the physical bodily presence of Jesus external to us. The physical, touchable Jesus for which so many of us long is not the same as the Jesus enthroned upon power that sends the Holy Spirit today. Jesus explains some of this in today's scripture. Philip asked, 
Hey, Jesus, show us the Father. You know, open up heaven and we'll be happy. And Jesus answers in one of the deepest mysteries of the faith. He says, Philip, God is so in me and we are so one that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I think as Christians, we have pretty good theology about Jesus being God. That one I don't think is actually too big of a problem. We are much weaker on Jesus being human. I can't deal with that today. I could just say Jesus was both. The way Jesus was so in God that they are one, Jesus was so human, he's the same kind of human as you and me. And that's where this issue is heading about the Spirit coming and Jesus leaving. Because see, as a human, Jesus could only ever be in one place, because he's just the same as you and I. But Jesus had a particular place to be. He was to ascend to heaven and sit at the very right hand of God the Father and have all power put right under his feet. And it was there that as God the Son, but also Jesus the man, the life of the Father completely within him. That's why Pentecost is the next step, because Christ's spirit from that position with his full humanity comes down to his church. Jesus' humanity, his deity by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' removal from earth pours the fullness of the Father, the fullness of Jesus' nature directly within us. I can't toss theology 101, 301, and 501 into your heads, but the gist is this. By the Spirit, Jesus' gospel and himself could do much more than just be something we hear and something we try to copy. They could be something that could come to live within us. Because see, up until then, the church could draw near to Christ. The believers could believe in him. They could imitate him. But at Pentecost, the change is the disciples could be him. Just as Jesus was in the Father. Because look at the change in Peter after Pentecost. He's much more humbler now, but he's also much more holy. And look at what the other apostles teach in the epistles. The church is the body of Christ is not just a pretty saying that we should all get along together. With Christ's physical body gone from the earth, but his spirit within us, we are the physical embodiment of Christ upon this planet. We are his members in a very real and concrete way. And see, for most of us, and for all of us, actually, sorry, it opens a relationship to God that makes the amazing promises that we struggle so much come alive. Those promises in verse 12 and 13. Whatever so you ask, I shall do in my name. But even more, greater things than I, Jesus, have ever done, you shall do. Now see, the church can only claim that in the power of Pentecost because with the Holy Spirit, Christ is actually in us, living and willing. When we baptize, we die to what Scripture calls the old man, our old life, and we rise in the resurrection into the new man, the new life. That new life and will of Christ within us changes the walk of discipleship. We are disciples so as to increase Christ within me. We are disciples not to try to fix our old will, the old man that is crucified, but we are disciples because we are walking in the new will, 
the very will of God. That's something that unifies us to him. We often have this misapprehension that unless we pray and say, thy will be done, we're bending the Lord's hand. But at the same time, how many times we have an unanswered prayer and we just say, well, it must be the Lord's will that he doesn't want to do it. No, God doesn't have a secret will that he's not going to do it because he has something else. What we must as disciples seek is to be unified within the will of God so his very will lives and stirs within us. That is when the promises and the powers come through. Because if Christ's will is living in us, then who wants it? God himself. So when you say, thy will be done, you call down that power from verse 10. It is the Father living within me. Now I realize this is for many. Too great to believe. You might have run into it in Sunday school, but it does not, it doesn't have much traction. We, we say that Christ is the wisdom of God, the justification of God, the sanctification of God, and the very glory of God. But we forget that last little bit that Paul says, for you. It's yours. And my friends at Pentecost, we celebrate that that's the foundation of the church. We are baptized, so we are buried, die in Christ, a Christ within us, and we raise to his resurrection, a resurrection within us. We take the Lord's Supper, because like food and drink, Jesus is incorporated into us, becoming our very life, being, and substance. And, John, and Jesus in the Gospel of John even punches much higher. When asked about this sort of thing, he says in John chapter 10, 34, Is it not written in your law, you will be gods? Now, this is not independent of God. This is completely cleaved to him. And it's not polytheism. It is the one God now and forever. Christ in the Father and us within Christ and it is very good news. It's good news in the first part because Jesus formed in us is a purely divine work. We don't need to prepare in any way to accept it. We don't have to wound and try to correct the old man, our old nature, our old way of living. Because that's crucified in Christ. How can you hurt it worse than the cross? But also... That divine work gives us the resurrection, life itself achieved, eternal life poured out into you. And all this is good news in the second part, because it is all holiness. Jesus himself is holy. And my friends, you cannot get a salvation of accepting Christ and his eternal salvation without holiness being attended. Jesus will not be joined in our evils. Yet by coming into our hearts, he will push us into his holy standards. This is good news because Christ and not our own efforts is our sanctification. And this is good in the third part because it is simply inexhaustible grace. Now, this, above all things, is a matter of faith. It must be grasped by faith, and much of this runs contrary to human nature and to what most of what worldly Christianity believes. Yet it is only by this faith, as with all things in the Christian walk, that the strength and the power to claim these promises Jesus is making exist. He is saying very simply, I must be within you, and you cannot have these promises without me. Jesus in us. 
It's the root of power as the Father in the Son is the root of Jesus' power. It's a transformation in which our will becomes aligned with God. We will see what he sees, love what he loves, hate what he hates, the scripture says. And if we know anything about our Father who sent his Son Jesus to die in sinner's stead, if we ask the Lord, Lord, give me your will, why wouldn't he give it? And this is a... The Holy Spirit means we're going to do something that Christ would do. And as Christ has told us today, he has only done what he has seen his Father do. So if we come to the Lord and ask, can we do what you are doing, Father? If God is a God of love, can he do anything but give us that gift of righteousness? And if we seek what the Father longs for with all of his love, all of his power and eternity to give, Why would we imagine that he delays it? Because Pentecost, the church, this whole organization, exists in answer to the prayer, Lord, be in me. Lord, make my will yours. Lord, make your people holy. My friends, if we were to pray that today, if we were to believe it, we would find it most assuredly answered. Your duty as Christians is not to sit there and do all the good works and to fix the world and to be good little Sunday school brats. Our jobs as Christians is merely to believe, to let Christ come into our hearts and be formed. And he does that by the power of his Holy Spirit, building a church that is far more powerful than even those apostles in the Gospels were. As Jesus says of us, of me, of you, you shall do more amazing things than even I did. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for all my listeners today that they may sense your Son being present and created within them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, your longing desire is for us to see the glory of God. We have mortal eyes and We see glory in the world, but what is the vision of your rapture? Who can comprehend it and who can know it? But Holy Spirit, you have come to give it. Lord, we pray for a refining of your church. May she long solely to be within Christ and to have Christ within herself. May she expel all of her efforts to that end seeking first your kingdom, the kingdom of God within us. And will you not surely add all other things? For in Christ we were created to good works, and we long to do them, to feed the poor, to clothe the naked, to heal the sick, and even many things beyond. Christ, you are seated on glory on the right hand of the Father, praying for us constantly with unending intercession. We know our prayers will be answered. We accept this in humble faith. Amen.